Welcome to the MacFab Engineering Podcast, a weekly show. Oh, you just paused for me. Oh, you're up in that right now. A weekly show about all things engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, industry news, and hacking FR4 into light pipes. We're your hosts, electrical engineers, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 347. So what happened during the intro was Stephen like completely froze up on my screen. And I'm like, he's either being like super dramatic or like the internet stopped working. Or maybe a little bit of both. Or maybe both. <laughs> <laughs> we do uh, we do record this uh, um, remotely for those who don't know. Yeah, uh, we're I'm two we're states away, <laughs> a thousand miles apart. About. Yep, it's pretty close to a thousand miles. And ninety percent of that is Texas. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and what, yeah. When I when I drive home, it's like six hours of of Colorado like a few seconds of new mexico and then all the rest is texas yeah it's like a it's about an 18 hour drive from houston to denver yep yeah uh yeah. what is it it's uh i do it in two uh yeah I, I span two days and it's one nine hour day and one six hour day oh that's, that's so, not too bad then 15 hours yeah that's not too bad then I, I I guess I, yeah. It doesn't. I guess it doesn't matter too much. But I live on the south side of Denver, so that, that <laughs> makes it easier. I, I suppose. What side of Houston do you go to, though? Actually, that, I no. That what's would funny more. Is, it does matter because <laughs> I go to the southwest side, and I usually come in from the north. And the the rule in in Houston is everything is an hour away. And so, like when we get to Houston, there's still an extra hour to hour and a half of driving. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so start the podcast, um, reiterate from last podcast is, uh, November 5th of this year. Um, I will be doing, I Parker will be doing, uh, an extra life charity stream. Um, that's where I play video games for like 24 hours to raise money for children's hospitals. Um, this not related at all to Macrofab, like it's not sponsored or anything by them. It's just, just me. Um, last year. With the help of, you know, listeners on the podcast and, uh, you know, I think actually Steven chipped in too. Um, we raised $5,169.42, um, which was the actually, you get to like pick a children's hospital that you like raise money for. And I picked the Jackson Children's Hospital because they're just like right down the road from where I live. Um, and we were the number one raiser of money for them. So that was awesome. Um so last week we just kind of discussed like what games we we're going to play. So the first year I did, I did um, the whole Half-Life 2 series and did like a 100% completion run. So got all the achievements. And then last year I did uh, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. That was not a 100% playthrough. That was like just hit all the bosses and try to just beat the beat game in 24 game. hours. I think we did it in like 20 ish like right at about 20 and um that actually had a drinking game associated with it so if i died i had to drink um and i got really sketchy about six hours in because i died like four times in a row <laughs> um so that was a lot of fun and it wasn't like a like taking a sip of beer it was like a shot for a death so it was like four shots in like 15 minutes um uh so 
this year uh i'm going to do i'm going to play um don't know the order yet um but i'm gonna play aliens colonial marines which is not a very good video game but i love that game and in, in the same vein uh duke nukem forever is also not a very good game but i love that game and it's interesting with because those both those games were taken over by gearbox studios and like basically finished by that studio um and it, I, it's an interesting story behind both those games and both like people do not like those games and they were in development hell for a long long time and gearbox kind of just like kicked them out of the nest basically um <laughs> and uh so we're gonna play those um don't know the order yet um so what i like to do for the games is come up with something else besides like just playing the games um the first year for Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, I like wrote a uh, script, um, actually some JavaScript that like pulled the Steam API. And so I could pull the achievements that I hadn't done and actually display that on the stream. So you could actually see which achievements I've hit and which ones I hadn't hit yet. And um, kept tally that way. Um, the second year, with it being a you know a Nintendo console game, um, there wasn't really way any way to do that, and so we just came out with some crazy rules for the drinking game. Um, but this year, Stephen gave me a really good idea before the podcast, and this ties in with um, me discovering that Extra Life, the foundation that does all the uh, like the back end work for the, for the uh, fundraising, they have an API for like all the donation stuff. And so what you do is like you will like you'll start your stream and you have like a little ticker bar, right? It like fills up as people donate. And there's like an alert that goes off when someone donates. So you know that, hey, someone donated. Well, I but you only can pick one tr- like sound effect, right? For that. I'm going to pick sound clips from both those games. So when I'm playing Aliens Clone Marines, it'll do quotes from Aliens. When it goes oh, and off. please, please have uh, the the pulse rifle shooting sound effect as yeah, one. I was going to do all the sound effects, and then okay, great. And then for when I play Duke Nukem Forever, it's going to have Duke quotes. <laughs> Dude, Duke quotes are amazing. Yeah, and um, the best thing about both those things is those clip files are readily available. So that's the like the hard part is that really like getting all the clips. But like doing the glue logic between the API and a Python script that just runs in the background is pretty easy. Yeah. Are, are you just going to have it where it, when it detects the a, an API has been called, then it randomly picks a sound effect and plays That's exactly it? Exactly it. Okay. <laughs> and then That's I can it. do like, actually, I could do like graphics on the screen too if I wanted. Um, I don't know about that yet. Like when you have like, okay. when, when Duke says a quote, Duke like slides in on the screen and then like you can do like a speech bubble. That'd be fucking hilarious. <laughs> I was thinking about it because we've been talking about this before recording the episode, but um, I was thinking about it earlier and, and perhaps this is a little too like, I don't know, a little bit too much from the movie, but, but from the aliens movie, when they all get in the APC and they're like driving it and they have to run over an alien with the APC, oh, it would yeah. be cool if the, if the bar that fills up as you do it is an APC that like drives towards an alien and then squishes it at the end. That would be really good. If it good. fills up, that would be awesome. 
I don't know how to do that part yet. Because I can totally like read the API and then go, hey, do I have a new donation? If yes, like play an alert. That's like super easy to do. I don't know about graphics yet because I know it's basically how like streaming software works is you give it HTML. Like you give it a website in essence, basically, and then it renders it in the stream. Like hmm. the border that people, well, that our people are seeing on our live stream is like that's rendered in HTML. Kind of weird. Yeah. Um, it's not yeah. like an image overlay. I guess it could be an image overlay, but how this one works, anyways. Um, so that's how like the progress bar works is like it's it's a website and so you have to draw the graphics that way and i bet you i can figure that out in the next four weeks well okay there's another option it is four uh, weeks it, away. <laughs> th there is one other option and this could be kind of cool actually um it, it, you could use that as a progress bar for the game uh to show people where you're at in the game so like take for instance like duke usually has a certain number of levels per game. You could mm -hmm. just move the thing forward every time you beat a level, uh, such that if someone was wanting to see like a particular level, they could just. Oh, yeah, I yeah, that's actually would be easy because I could just do one graphic for the bar. Yeah, and then I wonder if I could get it to move automatically. I could easily just take the icon and move it on the stream. Right, that's what I'm talking about. I could about. totally like, do that's, that. That's the brute force method. That would I be suppose. the brute force method to do it. Yeah. I, I don't know how you would be able to get information back from the game to automatically move it. That would no, be, I, no. That was actually that one thing I was going to bring up is um, because these games are so not well received in the gaming community, um, there's no like or very little mods for the games. There actually, I did find some like graphic overhaul mods that I am going to run for Duke and for Alien Clone Marines. Like, there's like an overhaul mod for both those games. Really, I'm like, screw it, we're going to run both of those. Is it and just I'm like just gonna better run skins it, and things like that? Better supposedly, textures? yeah. Okay, and I'm just going to do it blind. Like, Steven's like, you should like practice those games, and I'm like, nah, we'll just <laughs> nope. just do it. I've beaten both those games like four or five times, like in the past. Um. Cool. I guess the only bad I should do a stability test. So I should install both games, install those two mods, the overhaul mods, and make sure it's stable before yeah. like running the stream. Because that would be really bad. It'd be like an hour in and then we have to go like debug stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no like hooks. Um because some of the really popular games have stuff like Twitch integration, like yeah. that's not even built into the game, like modders have made it. So like you could like spawn enemy like enemies on player on like the streamer and stuff, right? Um, right. Hell, actually, like if you had if we if I emulated our creative time last year, we could we could have done that. Like there's plugins for, to make that work. Really, I didn't know that. Wow, yeah. people have gone that far with it. Yeah, um, but not these two games. <laughs> but I like the idea of the progress bar for like the the games themselves. Um, so we can have like three bars, right? One is like the alien clone marine bar. Yeah. The one's the pizza bar because I'm gonna I'm gonna take a break in between and make a pizza. Right. 
And so we nice. can like slide a pizza icon up and down. Yep. And then the other one's the Duke Nukem bar or Duke Nukem comes first or whatever. I don't know yet. Yeah. I think having Alien Clone Marines first and then Duke Nukem is probably the best way to go. Well, we, we know pizza's going to be in the middle. Yeah, pizza's in the middle for sure. Um, so for if anyone that's interested, um, I haven't really set up the donation site yet on Extra Life. It's all like last year's stuff. Um, let me see what that link is because you can go to the link now. And I guess actually by the time this podcast comes out, um, that I should have all that stuff set up. Well, while you're looking that up, I'll just remind everyone it's November 5th, 2022. And the time is all day because you're playing 24 hours. Yeah. I'm going to start at probably 8 a.m. and go to Sunday morning, 8 a.m., which is November 6th. Um, the date that where is and last year was really fun. Yeah, Steven showed up and like kept me comp- company for like the wee hours in the morning. I think to about two or three o'clock. It was late. Yeah, it was late. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be tuning in again. It is it is my I, wife's birthday that that day. So <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know what my availability will be like, but. Why can I not find the ah page link? Okay, so it's extra hyphen life dot org slash participant slash Parker hyphen Dillman. That's mouthful, but I'll post I'll post the link in the show notes, um, so people can go click on that. Um, but yeah, by the time the this podcast comes out, I'll have that page all updated with the games we're going to be playing and that kind of stuff. Um, I'm trying to find like a fun name for the stream. Um, Cause I think like my first year is called, I called it like the extra half life stream. And then the year after, after that was uh, the legend of extra life. So mm-hmm. try to find something stupid like that. to Have a, have have that catch. Right. Well, let's see if we can beat, how much you raised last year, this year. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I want to be number one for Texas Children's Hospital again. Because that was that was a great a, a fun surprise. All right, so let's uh let's move on to engineering or maybe even some pseudo engineering, I suppose. Uh <clears throat> so in our Slack channel this week, uh there's been some some interesting chat about uh, utilizing FR4 for light transmission, which FR4 is the uh, the, the the core material of PCB, uh, so basically what like a fiberglass kind of material. Yeah, and resin and uh, glue and glass. Yeah, glue and glass together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so uh, basically, uh, what this is in relation to is um, using FR4 to be indicators on your product of some sort or like light up sections of your of your product and and the way that this is done is by removing all of your layers in your gerber files basically your solder mask and your copper and having no paste and having no silk over it such as you're basically telling your board house to remove everything that goes on top of the uh, the FR4 such that the FR4 the the base core layer is actually visible, and then 
placing an LED underneath it and then using the LED to illuminate that portion of your board. Uh, obviously, this works best in uh, situations where you have stack ups or enclosures where LEDs can actually uh, the light can actually hit the FR4. But <clears throat> uh, what I wanted to do is actually talk about a handful of things to consider with this because funny enough, I've actually dealt with this a decent bit being in the, uh, in the synth industry, sp uh, specifically the, uh, the modular synthesis uh, community. This is actually done fairly regularly. I've, I've certainly worked with at least three or four clients that um, utilize this and I've even designed some boards for some clients that uh, that have this going on. And <clears throat> for the most part, it seems to be a little bit more on the creative side of engineering and not necessarily like the classical, like, here's how you get XYZ done side of, of engineering. It's, it's more art side. It's more art side. Yeah, it's it's uh, in fact, I called it hacking FR4 for light transmission. That's what I called our okay. our topic today, because it kind of is a hack. It's let's just put it this way. It's not a standard thing that you would find an engineer doing. But you can get some really cool and unique um, results by doing it. So the, the some of the things to consider when doing this is the fact that FR4 is controlled in terms of its electrical properties and uh, and its mechanical properties but it's generally not controlled in terms of its light transmission or diffusion properties because that's just not what it's intended for mm -hmm. so if this is something that you're you want to do just keep in mind that fr4 comes in a handful of different flavors depending on where you get it from uh so the majority of what you find is kind of a milky yellowish color. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. Y yellow, yellow tan almost. Vanilla sort of, yeah. Uh, oh, you're right. It's it's it is more yellow. I actually just looked at a manila folder over here. And I'm like, it's actually more pale than that. Yeah, it's actually not a particularly attractive color. But that's not necessarily its, its goal. But r regardless... You know, nine times out of ten, you're going to get that kind of FR4. Now, I have actually seen FR4 come in two other colors. There's sort of a bluish, greenish, gray uh, version of it. And uh, then there, I have actually run into FR4 that is full-on gray. Like, you know it wouldn't even be described as a different color. You know what's interesting is I pulled, this is a really old pin heck board, like, yeah, circa beginning of macrofab, basically. Yeah, that's way um, old. Yeah, back in and, the green uh, it's masters. it's actually it's fr four is clearish. I don't know. I I would yeah, be curious if you scratched off your the mask, what color you would get? Well, I'm looking down the side of it. Can you see? We gotta remember this board's almost a decade old at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So actually, you know what's funny? That's that's a great example of. If, if you're wanting to do a process of using the FR4 as like a light diffuser or some kind of light transmission, keep in mind that every board house is going to have different flavors of FR4. And the best different way brands. to design around this is to get a test board done by whoever you're going to get your boards done and then design around that. Um, yeah, because like, so this board I just pulled, um, it is like that super yellow. 
color. That very, yeah, that, that very that opaque yellow. yellow. The DigiKey yeah. ruler is what I would call a normal, like what the FF4 would normally look like. Kind of like that pale, semi-translucent yellow. Yep. Um, and then I've got also the EV blog ruler from long, long time ago. And it is like super opaque yellow. Yeah. Oh, that's the, okay. So that has a whole border of uh, just raw FR4. Just raw FR4 around it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I picked up three different P or four different PCBs on my desk. And they all look completely different. <laughs> yep. Different color FR4 material. And I wouldn't be surprised if they came from three or four different vendors. Oh, yeah. They, they're probably different, completely different vendors. So, like I said, that's the thing. It, this is it's not a controlled... The color is not something that is, is controllable. So, uh, you know, get a sample board and then go with that board house. Because they, they're very likely to have... To continue to use that material from that vendor so if you pick a board house that's what you're going to get yeah no and it would be you might actually even want to ask the board house depends on your, if you have a particular stack up you're going to be calling out what material it is anyways and so you're going to get the same every single time but a lot of times if you just send like a two-layer design out um you're not going to be specifying the stack up and you they they might change it so you might mm -hmm. want to actually like if you don't care what your stack up is, but you care about this, it might be worth to get what that information, that stack up in the material is so you can specify it later. 100% agreed. <clears throat> you you can specify the material. You cannot specify the color. And and I'm saying that yeah. from, from experience. I've actually talked to some board houses and told them about this application and they're, and they're just like, sorry, you get what you get kind of thing. Yeah. Um, What's interesting? I, I, I'm, um, I'm sure with enough money, you could you could convince somebody. But well, they're probably they don't have the equipment to make sure it has the same, you know, properties that you always look for. Opa uh, how opaque it is and the right. actual hue of it. They probably don't have a way to measure that. Um, but um, I actually had a question from a customer, very similar about solder mask colors. And they were asking, hey, is your red, because MacRab's color is red, the same all the time? And I was like, well, per board house, it's pretty much the same. Because um, that's also like the Sodomass color isn't, it's red, but it's, it depends on the vendor. Like you don't, mm -hmm. you don't tell them a Pantone color. Right. <laughs> like right. I want my board to be this specific color red. Um like, I think I remember, this might be me not remembering correctly, but like, oh, because Osh Park is purple. They have purple boards. Um, and I know for a while they were like mixing their own solder mask colors. But I know at least early on, too, you would, if you ordered boards, the purple would be completely different colors all the time. Because purple was not a standard solder mask color. And so the then like their PCB fabs would just like mix it together. They're just like put the the ingredients to make purple together. And yep. uh whatever Which, by the way, there's, a, there's other fab houses it? that do purple now too. Oh, they do? Yeah. Yep. JLC does uh purple and I think I've seen another one that does as well. Does purple? Yep. Um like for a while, for several years, uh we did matte red as mm -hmm. like our color for boards. And um 
that ended up going away. Not it's not fully away. Like our original PCB vendor still makes matte red boards for us, but all the other PCB fabs that we buy from, they they don't have matte red. So mm-hmm. yeah, matte red's kind of that's unique. Yeah. It, well, we basically had to ask the PCB fabricator. I was just like, hey, do you have like another sheen of red, like a matte red? And they're like, we'll get back to you on that. And they like a week later, like, yeah, we can do matte red. <laughs> I'm like, awesome. Cool. Yeah. So they still make us matte red boards. And, um, but most of our boards now are like the normal shiny red, which is unfortunate because they come from other vendors. Yeah. Well, uh, so one other thing to consider when thinking about the FR4 material, um, some FR4, the actual just raw material gets printed on with information. And so if you're opening up an area on your board to uh, expose FR4, it's rare, but there is a chance that some of that ink or some of that printing that's part of the actual FR4 could appear in your light window. So it's just worth noting that that could happen and it's not necessarily anyone's fault shall we say yeah uh so you can't go to your board house and say like well i didn't want this like they once again it's not a controlled process uh so just keep that in mind um it can happen so so in terms of what you get out of doing this one of the things that's nice about this is assuming you have a stack up that works for doing this kind of situation fr4 acts as a really nice diffuser it actually diffuses light very very well so if you shine led light onto the back of fr4 the fr4 will actually glow and diffuse the light really well such that you won't get like a pinpoint of light you just get a section of your board that glows and Mm -hmm. uh solder mask blocks light very very well so you can selectively have portions of your board illuminate um with whatever color you want now they'll all be tinted by whatever the underlying uh color of fr4 is but for the most part that just results in your led being a little less bright that's also something to keep in mind with with um keeping your brightness where you want it you you'll have to play around with how bright your leds are if you want to um utilize this but uh the 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 thinner your boards are, the better light transmission you'll get. Um, I've noticed, though, that with standard thickness, uh, you know, what is it, that 1.6 millimeter boards and standard LED brightness, say, you know, you just your, your Joe Schmo LED running it at currents that you normally do, it is visible. You may have to uh, bump it up a little bit for uh, uh, to make it a little bit brighter. Say if your device is going to be used out in sunlight, it might be pretty hard to see. But in a, like a normal house situation or a dark room, it's actually pretty well visible. Something else to keep in mind, though, if, you ha- if you're just shining an LED at the back of a flat object, you're going to get a pretty wide area that the LED hits. Hit, so yeah. having like really sharp areas or having you know, colors right next to each other and illuminating sections that are very, very close. There's almost guaranteed to be bleed. So this application works really well if you have a large chunk of something that you want to illuminate one color at a time. But if you have lots of elements that are right next to each other 
and you're trying to illuminate illuminate them all different colors, that's just going to require a different solution than this. Uh, this works really well for just taking a blob of something on your board and making it uh, a, bright. A bright one color. And also with the with the fact that you know you have to shine an LED fairly bright on the back of your board. Um, if if you're doing something like LED breathing, where you know it's changing intensity, you have to go a lot oh, farther than you think. Yeah, like pulsing. Okay. You're gonna have to your 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 minimum and your maximum are gonna have to be a lot wider apart from each other. So you get a lot less, shall we say, resolution in brightnesses when it comes to uh, to doing this. Um, this is actually a really good application however for leds that have very thin view angles so uh, a lot of leds you'll get like 40 60 90 um degree angle of uh of the view angle but leds that have really thin like lower than 30 degree view angles work really well for this because you're you're focusing almost all the light in the area that you want it to be in so this is a good situation where picking uh, a low angle one can be beneficial then uh the uh, if you really need to brute force it light pipes or or dividers work really well for this kind of stuff so you could design a light pipe that that fits between the bottom of the fr4 and your light and kind of focuses all the light into one area oh so like don't poke the light pipe through the front yeah just like butt it up against the back basically you could just make I don't know, a, a cylinder that that, yeah. that butts up against it. At that point, though, if you're going through the, 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 the trouble of designing a light pipe, you might as well just use the light pipe itself as the thing that goes through. Yeah. But uh, the, the what's, what's potentially even better is just light dividers. So some kind of a screen that breaks things apart and prevents bleed from uh, adjacent items. I've seen um, a customer do a 3D printed like insert between the two boards. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. or dividers that seemed to work pretty well for for the some boards that i've worked on um we've put leds on opposite side of through hole parts and that and and that just works out really That'll well work for, right too, for yeah. being a little yeah especially things that are you know big chunky through hole parts that mate with the uh the front panel oh, potentiometers so, potentiometers jacks and things like that uh I, on one of the boards we have uh, there's a blue LED on one side and a red LED, and they oscillate with uh, with a signal that goes through them. And and if if you didn't have the the, the potentiometer in between them, it would just end up looking purple. But hmm. because that pot's there, it's very obvious blue red on either side. So there's a lot of cool stuff that uh, can be done with this. And really, this is this is more of one of those situations where it's like, okay, so if you just feel like being creative and coming up with something this would work well like i was i was on my way home from work today i was thinking of like okay outside of just like musical wanky world kind of stuff what could you do with this now this wouldn't be a product but you know a lot of people make pcb um business cards it would be really cool if you made a, a pcb business card that was actually a stack up of two PCBs that were offset from each other and you could basically it didn't look like anything and you could press a button on it and you could illuminate it from inside and parts of it would illuminate and then you yeah know, it could you could even put a microcontroller on the inside and have no visible electronics and it would 
oscillate Except, and like, have a button. bunch of rainbow yeah. colors and stuff. Yeah, lots of cool stuff like that. That's that's another um, application that's kind of cool. If you do black uh, solder mask, usually everything is so dark that even if it's yellow FR4, you don't see it as well. So you can make a device that has parts that will illuminate, and when they when they're off, you can't see them very well. So there's there's some cool applications with that. Um, I've done a few things uh, like that. You could I, do reverse text on the inside, and so when you light it up, it will show. I well, maybe that won't show up so well. You have to you have to play with that for sure. The, I I have seen before one person do a thing that had a rotary pot where as you turn it, uh, different sections would illuminate, and you could see text. It, depending on the position and that was really cool That's that really looked cool. awesome yeah i i thought that was spiffy there's another one that i've worked with where they had a uh an esp wi-fi module and it would you would see the wi-fi symbol illuminate in the fr4 when it connected to uh your network which that was pretty legit too. that's that's actually pretty cool so there's, yeah. there's more like you can get away with um doing some symboling to your customer or end user with this method and not have to pay for another process. Like, yes, that's, and I think that's why that fits really well in the court sort of like hacker, you know, smaller quantity mm -hmm. uh, community like this, especially the ones that are already accepting of more creative solutions, <laughs> because this is, this is effectively free. Uh, you just, tell your board house to remove all the layers except for the FR4. Yeah. And, uh, and then on the board that's behind it, you just populate an LED and you now have a way of indicating something and you don't have a secondary process that includes marking or drilling or designing a light pipe or, or something or that like has to go through. If the light, let's say you had a hole and the LED had to go through it. So it was like a through hole LED. You'd have to have a spacer to make sure that LED is the right height. Whereas, SMD resistor. All right. Uh, SMD LED. LED, yes. Yeah. In fact, some of uh, some of the clients um, I've worked with, they don't, none of their LEDs are through hole at all. Everything is surface mount. They, they like stripping down all through hole parts to the absolute bare minimum because through hole takes a lot more effort to, to and work it's with. expensive. Yeah. And expensive. Yeah. So it's it's a cool solution if your product will allow for it. And mm -hmm. I've seen some other industries start to get into this where um, the synth world makes sense because a lot of people already use PCBs as faceplates, as the actual thing that the customer interacts, interacts with. with. Yeah. So so it's really straightforward. Also, there's there's a 10 millimeter stack up that's inherent to every product. So there's, there's like, you have a FR4 faceplate, you know, assuming you're using PCB material as a faceplate and a 10 millimeter stack up, like, yeah, it's a no brainer in that sense. What do you um, mean? Is that 10 millimeter stack up is basically there's two PCBs in your front plate? Well, so almost all modular, not, I shouldn't say almost, all modular synthesizers have a standardized 10 millimeter stack up. So you have your plate that connects to your case then you're mm -hmm. going to have the guaranteed the next thing you have is your jacks that everyone connects to and those jacks have a 10 millimeters stack up so all of your electronics are on a pcb that's exactly 10 millimeters behind your behind face the faceplate okay that's what you mean right so there so there's guaranteed to be a board behind that which means if you populate a led on the top side of that board 
you can access this kind of like technology. I'm using yeah, air quotes. Yeah. It's um because when you say it's stack up, I'm like 10 millimeter thick boards, pretty thick. That's monstrous. Yeah, you know, st- oh, sorry, uh, full system stack up. I guess you could say. There you go. And and in case anyone wants to go see some cool examples of this, um, go to Google and search for the Hex Inverter Mind Phaser is one that utilizes this all over the place. And then there's an entire company called Instro, I-N-S-T-R-U-O, that uh, they are kind of, in my opinion, the pinnacle of doing this kind of thing with their board. They're, like, they're, they design their boards in artwork programs and then and then bring them into Gerber's, basically. So the, the, their stuff looks fantastic, and they do a lot of, like, rainbow colors that, that glow through the boards. If Yeah, if, you, if you're looking to get really creative with that kind of stuff, this, this is a fun thing to look at, let's put it that way. Cool. So uh, last week, I, I'm going to bring this up again. Um, we, we started talking about our new PCB ruler design and what you brought up about the different stack ups or different layers of stack ups on your PCB. Um, this would actually be a really good thing to add to this PCB ruler idea that we've been kicking around, um, of stuff that's more useful for designers, right? To experiment mm-hmm. with stuff. Now it has to be with like, you have to, you know, experiment with your your actual PCB fabricator, but at least it just might give you an idea of like how the effect will work. So like we can have, um, you know, some areas with like no solder mask, no copper, that kind of stuff. Um, and actually I was looking through the Slack channel, which is macfab.com slash Slack. Um, and James actually showed a, I don't think it was for, I think he was just showing this feature, which is like all the different, um, uh layering of the pcb stuff um but um it's actually a great example of like a different kind of pcb ruler because it's like a credit card so it's like three and a half inches by two inches or whatever the standard credit card size is and uh i actually really like that form factor and i think might go that route for the i like that too because a lot of times you see pcb rulers and they're the majority of the information on them is just about measuring on an edge. Whereas yeah. this has information about PCBs on it. And it's not just like a, a compilation of footprints or anything yeah. like that. This is the material itself. Yeah. I'd rather have um, different size holes so you can figure out like screw holes and that kind of stuff like uh, of that. Um Measuring on edge, of course, because it has to be a ruler. Um, probably put a hole in it so you can have it as a keychain or put it in your wallet. Um, and then doing some solder mask stuff for like solder mask, silk screen, layering, copper layering, having exposed, not exposed copper. Um, I think that's a really good idea. So you can test lights and that kind of stuff. I liked your idea that you had last week, which was having like jigs to bend leads. I don't know exactly how I'm going to do that yet, um, but like trying to figure out if I can use like a corner of it as like a through hole bender. Mm-hmm. Right. Like on a, on a diagonal. Yeah. I have to figure out how that's going to work, but 
We'll see. Maybe like castellated edges. Castellated edges on one side. I just had a thought. This could be cool. Okay, so if, if it's a rectangle, you got a credit card side uh, size board. You could put a small like square board on the inside of it and have on all four sides of it different examples of mouse bites. So you know, mouse bites with five holes that are five small ones or another one that's mouse bites that's three that are larger and different spacings mm -hmm. of mouse bites and things like that. That's, I've, I would find that useful. My only problem was that party centerpiece would get lost eventually because <laughs> they would <laughs> pop out. Well, if it's, if, it's, if it's suspended on all four sides, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, you're right. Hmm. I do like the idea of adding castellated edges too. Yeah. Okay, I got some ideas what to do now. It's gonna be cool. I like it. Yeah. And so uh, this last topic for today is uh, we're gonna bring up our live podcast idea again. Um, so November twenty second, Stephen is going to be in town here in Houston. And uh, thinking about doing a live podcast. If anyone wants to show up, um, let us know in a Slack channel or on Twitter. Um, we don't have any details. I guess next week we need to have details. Like, like actually, like we are going to be here. Does anyone actually want to show up? Yeah, this was the, the, <laughs> last week and this week is sort of our fishing expedition to see if anyone yeah. is like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll come up with some more information on it. But yeah, if anyone is interested in in hanging out, maybe we'll have an open mic and uh, we just do a live podcast from what, somewhere out in would, Houston. Would people be interested if we called it MEPCON? Oh, jeez, <laughs> MEPCON! Like three people show up. Yeah, thank you. Two of them are us. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them is my mom. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Dude, dead serious. If we did do something, I would not be surprised if my mother showed up. <laughs> my mother listens and she likes the show. She, oh, she, loves she calls the show? me up and talks about it. Hi, Stephen Craig's mom. Yeah. My mom does not care. <laughs> no, it's not her thing not not her jam yeah. 35 and my mom listens to my show um so before we leave for this podcast uh broke hobby smith had a great name for my extra life stream called extraterrestrial life yeah i like it and that's really great because both those games both uh duke nukem forever and alien clone marines are about killing extraterrestrial aliens. So that's perfect. So thank you, Brokabi Smith. And with that was the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We are your hosts, Parker Dolman. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. Thank you, yes, you, our listener, for downloading our podcast and listening to our rambles. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, let Steven and I know. Tweet us at MacFab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at Analog ENG, or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. You can find it at MacFab.com slash Slack. And also our live stream, twitch.tv slash MacFab, goes live 7 o'clock Central Time every Tuesday.